Welcome to Libromania, a new podcast for book lovers from the Close Reads Podcast Network. I'm David Kern. If you love books and all the things that make books great, this podcast is for you. Each week, I'm presenting conversations with authors, designers, publishers, artists, biographers, critics, and scholars about the various things that make books worth celebrating. We're talking book design, bookstores, book printing, and book collecting. We're talking about the lives and problems of famous authors and the science behind our love of books. And of course, we're chatting with working writers about their process and with scholars about the art of writing biography. This is Chapter 7, in which I chat with poet and teacher Matthew Zapruder about his work, his influences, and his process. Poetry is difficult in a different way than people think. It's not so much that they're difficult to understand, it's that they're difficult to accept. And there's a lot of mystification that goes on around poetry that is totally not relevant to what's actually on the page and what it's actually supposed to be doing. It has many bad effects, but one bad effect is that it just gives people the wrong impression of how to actually read it. But then it also makes it impossible for people to really feel the effects of a poem. And and every once in a while, a poem will just break through for somebody. So I've just wanted that to be able to happen for more people with more poems. I read a lot of poetry in 2018, and a lot of books about poetry, but the one that stood out the most was written by today's guest. That guest, of course, is Matthew Zapruder, and that book is Why Poetry, which is described as, quote, an impassioned call for a return to reading poetry and an incisive argument for poetry's accessibility to all readers, end quote. But this book is much more than just an apology for poetry. It's not a defense of the genre so much as a celebration of it, of the way that it shapes lives by transforming imaginations. It's part memoir, part literary analysis, part dialogue, and in my opinion is the kind of book both novices and experts can enjoy. It reminds me of Wendell Berry's book on William Carlos Williams' poetry, or say Annie Dillard's book, Pilgrim at Tinker Creek. It's a lovely book, it's inspiring even. So, naturally, I wanted to talk process and inspiration with Mr. Zapruder. Matthew earned a BA in Russian literature at Amherst College, an MA in Slavic languages and lit from the University of California, Berkeley, and an MFA in poetry at the University of Massachusetts, Amherst. His most recent collection is Sun Bear from Copper Canyon in 2014, and he's currently the associate professor in the MFA at St. Mary's College in California. He's also editor-at-large of Wave Books, and in 2016 and 17, he held the annually rotating position of editor of the poetry column for the New York Times Magazine. His other collections of poetry include Come On All You Ghosts in 2010, The Pajamaist 2006, and American Linden in 2002. His awards include a 2011 Guggenheim Fellowship, a Lannan Foundation Residency Fellowship in Marfa, Texas, and the May Sarton Prize from the American Academy of the Arts and Sciences. He has taught at NYU, the New School, the University of Houston, and the University of California at Berkeley as the 2010 Holloway Lecturer in the Practice of Poetry. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Matthew Zapruder. Enjoy. My first question is related to your, uh, your childhood, I suppose. Not that we need to dig too deep. But you kind of mentioned how in the book, I think you used the word bewildered. You mentioned that when you were young, you would have been bewildered to find out that you one day would become a poet. Uh, so, I'm curious about when you discovered your love of poetry. Would, can you point to a time when you said that's what I want to do or wow, I love this. I love this way of thinking about language. Yeah. The, the, the first several chapters of the book sort of weave in a lot of autobiographical stuff. Um, and you know, the point I'm trying to make is that I think I 
came across poetry at certain times, you know, I'd run into it in school or just kind of along the way and really have a meaningful experience with it and then forget that that happened as kids are wont to do. (laughs) And so, and I didn't, and I didn't have a larger context for it. I mean, when I say, you know, you, you, you know, you say I would have been bewildered. That's totally correct. I didn't, it just didn't even occur to me that people still wrote poetry or that there was a world around that. That just wasn't something I grew up around. I didn't yeah. know anybody who did that. So, so it, it just wasn't, there wasn't any place for that experience to go really. Yeah. Um, unlike, you know, if you hear a great song and you know, rock song, you can think, Oh yeah, people are in bands and they, <laughs> maybe I'll be yeah. in a band and I'll do that. Or, yeah. you know, but that wasn't like, I just wasn't, my mind wasn't working that way. So what happened is, is that, Eventually, I went into academia in my early 20s. Uh, I'd studied Russian literature in college and lived in the Soviet Union for a while. So when I I came back, I eventually ended up, uh, you know, getting a PhD in Slavic languages and literatures at Cal, uh, at Berkeley. And um, I was doing that. And but what I really wanted to do was to be a writer. And so I um, started writing. And when I started writing, I started writing poems, which was a big surprise to me. Um, I'd done a little bit of it, but I hadn't, you know, really thought of it as a thing I was dedicated to doing. And once I did it, that was that moment. You asked me if there was a moment when I knew what I wanted to do. I just felt compelled to pursue that activity in a way that was uh, very strong and clear. I didn't know what that, where that would lead me or what I should do, but I I knew, I knew that's where I wanted to go. Were you, so were you originally thinking that you wanted to, do academic writing or were you thinking you would write novels? I mean, was before you had that moment with poetry, what was the other direction you were thinking? Well, I mean, I, I, the only really sustained creative activity I'd done was play music. And so okay. I, I had been in bands and played, the, and, but I didn't, I wasn't thinking oh, I'm going to be a rock star. <laughs> right. you know, I thought I was thinking, you know, I was thinking I'll just, you know, be in bands. And, but so my, that was sort of where my creative activity or my creative life was really located. And then there was, I thought, Oh, I have this, you know, I have to do something for a living and what, what should I do? And I, and I thought about, um, you know, being a scholar, being an academic because I was interested in Russia and Russian literature and I, I had worked on it before. So I thought maybe I should pursue that and see whether that was the, that was what I wanted to do. I never was interested in writing novels, um, or short stories. I never, I don't think I've never written a short story in my life and, um, <laughs> much less a novel. And so, uh, I love reading them, but I don't, I don't write them. So I, so yeah, so I, I, you know, in that way, when you're in your early twenties and you're just sort of casting about to think about what you might want to do. I mean, or a lot of people are, I, I tried out the most logical choice, which was to be an academic um, in the field that I had already studied. Hmm. Why Russian literature? What was appealing about that? Well, when I was in college, I, I started studying Russian language. Uh, and I think, you know, when, when I was in college, it was the mid eighties. Uh, mid to late eighties. And, you know, that was the sort of the height of the cold war. Um, and I think I had the idea that maybe I would want to be a diplomat or I'd want to, you know, go into the foreign service or do something like that, um, to try to help basically, you know, and I think that was really, you know, my, I come from Washington DC. And so I, I come from a family that is, you know, we were surrounded by government and public service and, my father's first job after law school was, uh, he worked for, um, you know, he was, he, was, he worked for the government, um, as a prosecutor. And so, you know, I, I, that was an idea, I guess I had that I might, I might get involved in that world. But as soon as I started studying Russian language and really getting into it, I, I realized I was much more interested in the literature 
than I was in the politics. Hmm. So, well, I guess that kind of leads me to the question: <laughs> what, uh, what about the Russian literature itself that was so appealing <laughs> to you? I mean, is there? And, and I guess the follow up to that is: is there something? Do you recognize something inside of yourself that would like Russian literature, but that also leads you to love poetry? Is there something, some sort of common ground between your work in, as a poet and your work as a, you know, in studying Russian literature and the appeal of those two things? Yes. It's not so much about the, the literature itself, the content or it's, or it's, you know, themes or anything like that, all of which are, which are wonderful and worth you know, devoting oneself to, but it was really about the language. Um, I, I loved learning and studying foreign languages. I studied Latin in, in high school and French and, and I had gone to a bilingual school when I was a kid and then studied Spanish later, uh, kind of just on my own. And, um, so I just liked languages and liked words. And I think I well, that was really at the heart of what I was actually interested in. And when I studied Russian literature, um, more, more than just the literature itself was the way that language operated in the, in these, you know, in these poems and stories and novels that I was reading. Hmm. Um, and so I, I just was fascinated by the texture of the language and, and how it was, how it was operated in a different way from English. Um, like all foreign languages do, they have their, their, their own ways of organizing the world and communicating information and, um, syntax and everything. And so I, 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 that was, I think, in the, retrospectively, I understand that that was what I really loved about it. Um, mm. I didn't know that at the time necessarily, but um, but I think that was the common thread. Mm. So you, you're talking about this, the study of language, and so I, I assume then that as you're studying language and you're studying, you know, syntax and these the, the form of Russian language that that clearly must have uh, influenced the way you think about the forms of poetry, right? I mean, is that, I mean, it's not really a question, I guess, is, is, is that, would you say that's true? Would you say that's true of almost all people who study foreign language that they um, could think about poetry in a, in a more in-depth way from the perspective of syntax and form and things like that? I think what's interesting about poems, whatever language they're in, is the way mm -hmm. that they take this material of language that we're familiar with and mm -hmm. they stretch it out, they rearrange it, they, they play with it, they push against it, um, it becomes yeah. a material. And I think that that is more evident a lot of the time when you're, when you're studying a foreign language, mm -hmm. for obvious reasons. I mm -hmm. mean, you're trying to understand what's going on, and you have to somehow learn, you have to learn from the outside. You know, you have to, like, um, uh, you know, try to figure out what's going on with the language so you can understand what's being said and why it's being said in that way. And so I think that studying Russian for me just made me aware of those kinds of mechanisms that are true in all languages. Mm. Um, and we take them for granted in English. Most of us, um, those of us who speak fluidly and, you know, it comes easily to us. We, we, we don't think about word order and, and why, you know, why things are the way they are. And, you know, we just don't think have to think about that much. And so, mm. you know, that, but that's the kind of thing that poets think about all the time. Mm. They're interested in that because when you start moving those, those things around or changing them or pushing them or, elongating them or compressing them or whatever, all the different things you can do, you know, that's what starts to make new meanings occur that are, that are latent in, in the, in the language. Um, you know, in a way like poets are almost, I think of poets as being close in a way to scientists or maybe metallurgists or, or gemologists or something, you know, they're, they're sure. taking this material and they're, they're, they're doing things with it. And then, and then other beauties start to emerge 
that you just wouldn't see in the ordinary course of things. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think the study of foreign languages is, yeah, like, a, a, I don't want to reiterate, but I just, I just, yeah, yeah. you know, it was, it was obvious to me those that that was that was really what i cared about more than you know like the themes of dostoevsky or something like i wasn't as interested i mean i'm interested in that but like that wasn't really the heart of what i was interested in. yeah it wasn't what kept you at it maybe yeah well i i I did not much kept me at it because when i I, (laughs) after i I decided i didn't want to be a scholar i mean it wasn't it wasn't i wasn't russian language and literature's fault it was it was that i wasn't cut out for scholarship okay um so, so you know it wasn't for me do you think that a poet can reach his or her potential without studying foreign language? Uh, sure. Yeah, of course. Do you think that there's something, I mean, I'm not saying this because I'm fluent in some other foreign language and want to feel better about myself. Quite the opposite, actually. <laughs> but I'm wondering, like, do you think there's something lacking in a poet's, you know, ability to, to play with language and all the different things that a poet does um, or to understand the way language works if they haven't, thought about how other languages work besides just their own? Uh, not necessarily. I think it's helpful. I think it's, I think it's, you know, I mean, I would say that uh, most poets I know after a while, somehow one way or the other get into translation. Hmm. Um, and it may be that they don't often that they don't know the language they're translating from, but they just, there's something about the mechanics of the language and, and, and operating in it and trying to look at, look at it in a more distance way that, that is interesting and you can learn a lot. So I don't, I don't think it's necessarily that you have to study foreign languages in depth to be a poet. I mean, but it's, 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 uh, you know, there's a, there's a relationship between those two things, but I think you can get that thing by studying English as if it were a foreign language. Mm. So, do you spend a lot of time consciously aware when you're working on your own poetry, which presumably you spend most of the time writing your poetry in English, when you're spending time doing that, are you consciously aware of your Russian studies? Are they, are they um, impacting the way you're writing in English? I mean, even syntactically or if other rules in Russian that you're seeing show up and, you know, have uh, reappearances or something like that in your own, in your own poetry? Earlier on in my, uh, earlier on in my writing life, especially I would say in the, in, in, you know, in the first two books that I wrote, I was very interested in, 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 in syntax and stretching and pushing English language syntax, uh, out of its ordinary, behaviors and i think that the that part of what i was interested and 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 this is connected to russian because the this the russian uh language is, has cases it's case-based so so you know all its nouns and adjectives um have you know are they have case endings and those case okay. endings determine the relationship to other to the other words so you know in, in english we have very few case endings the only time cases the only time we have them is you know, one of the only times we have them is with pronouns. So, you know, mm-hmm. I and me, or, you know, the subjective and objective case. Sure. So, but that's all over Russian languages. It is over a lot of other languages. And so the detriment to that is, is that it's complicated. It's, sure. it, it means you have to learn, you know, there's all these different endings and there's exceptions and blah, blah, blah. It's extremely complicated. But the benefit of it is, is that it gives you a lot of elasticity in word order. So, so in, in English, for instance, the word order is, is intimately tied with, with making sense of something. And just take a simple example. If you say Tom hit John or John hit Tom, 
the, the who hit whom <laughs> is entirely dependent on on where the where the, who's where in the sentence. Right. But in a language like Russian, which has cases, you can move those words around, and still it is understood who is hitting whom. So so that gives you a lot more flexibility with word order um, right. and syntax, and you and 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 those so word order and syntax can be used more to convey emotional states and emphasis and, and, and priorities and things like that, which is not, uh, uh, which is not as possible in a language like English. So I was sort of interested, and this wasn't intellectual. I think this was just um, instinctive and hmm. in trying to adapt some of those effects that, that you can have with a case-based language in English. What happens when you act as if you can, and, 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 you know, and, and obviously there, it's a different, you know, there are limitations in English before you, you know, you can push things only so far before the sentence starts to fall apart, but it's, mm-hmm. it's an interesting intellectual and, and kind of, you know, almost like a somatic, mm-hmm. uh, exercise to see what happens if you, if you take words out of their ordinary relationships and ordinary word orders and start moving them around. And I was, mm-hmm. I, so I was very interested in that. I think that that, that technique has gotten less, uh, extreme as, as I've, I, I think, I, I think I use that in a more subtle or, or, or less overt way now than I would have, you know, more towards the beginning of my writing life. But I, but yeah, it was a big, it was a huge influence on me. Do you, you, know. you mentioned that it's perhaps done more subtly now is maybe this is unfair. Is that because you're just a more subtle poet in general or because it's become less interesting to you? Um, I think partially the latter is just that I, I did it a lot for, for a while. And sure. so I got interested in other things. And sure. part of it is, is that I got interested in something else, um, after I'd written a couple of books, which was, you know, I got very interested in, in bringing the language of my poems very close to um spoken language Hmm. in certain ways but also preserving all the energy of poetry that is you know i did i didn't i I wanted my my one of my poems to be as available totally available to anybody who would Hmm. read them but Hmm. without giving up anything that i thought was central about making poems so i so i think that a consequence of that was that i got less interested in certain experimenting that I was doing. Um, and, 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 you know, and, and also just aware of how a very small amount of that kind of behavior can have a pretty big impact. You know, I didn't, it didn't need to be so extreme. I mean, the reality is, is like, and I don't know if this is true for other, I mean, I think this is different now, but, but when I was first writing poems, I knew in a kind of like, um, you know, I, I, I knew in a sort of intellectual level that it was possible that other people would read these poems. Right. I mean, obviously, you know, you write poems, you put them in a magazine sure. or a book or whatever, but yeah, yeah. I don't think deep down I was really thinking about that very much. I think I was interested in, in figuring out how to make poems and playing around with what poems could be and then experimenting with that. And I think that it, it was, it was a, it was a kind of small, uh, the, the range of my, interests like really had to do with 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 learning my craft and learning my learning about language and learning about poems and less about like thinking about a reader Mm. um and i think Mm. that there's nothing wrong with that especially for a young artist of any kind i think it's actually appropriate to become totally devoted to your material whether you're a painter or a photographer or a musician or anything Mm -hmm. it's natural and i think good to be to be completely obsessed with your instrument, whatever it is. But at some point, 
you know, you, you, you do begin to get readers or listeners or viewers or whatever it is. And then you, your relationship to them will often change. And that's why people's work changes over time. You know, they, 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 they come into contact with people who are having experiences with their work and they want to respond to that and, and, and be, and give that and honor that, I guess, you know, and that's, so that's what sort of happened to me. And I, I, I think it's, I think it's good. I did what I did when I was a younger writer. And I think it's good that I moved out of that too. You know? hmm. One of the reasons that you, well, in the book, you talk about how a lot of times when people come across poetry, they're a little bewildered. They don't know how to approach it. They say things like, you know, I don't understand poetry. I think you mentioned that from the get go in the introduction. Uh-huh. One of the things that you want to do in the book is say, well, it's actually not as complicated as people claim is is that an oversimplification or is that a fair assessment of what you were trying to do i think it's uh yeah no it's not (laughs) it's not an oversimplification no i i but i think that my my main point that i'm trying to make in the book is that it's poetry is difficult in a different way than than people think and and what i say is is that basically is that it's it's the truth of poetry or more it's not so much that they're difficult to understand. It's that they're difficult to accept. And, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of mystification that goes around on around poetry that is totally not relevant to what's actually on the page and what it's actually supposed to be doing. And it's, there's a lot of nonsense that gets said about poetry and, 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 and just incorrect information, but you know, which I think serves to, it has many bad effects, but one, one bad effect is that it just, gives people the wrong impression of how to actually read it. But then it also um, makes it impossible for people to really feel the effects of, of, you know, of a poem and, and every mm-hmm. once in a while a poem will just break through for somebody, mm-hmm. you know, despite all this misinformation and they'll, you know, and that's why, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had a conversation with someone that starts out, you know, I'm on an airplane and some guy in a business suit next to me is asked me what I do. And I tell him, and then he, you know, <laughs> harumphs and he asked me how I make a living and he, this and blah, blah, that. And there's a lot of that going on. And then, and then, you know, I, I talked to him for a few minutes and it turns out that he remembers Ozymandias you know, by heart or something, right. or there's yeah. some poem that he's carried around his whole life, you know, that just broke through all that stuff. And he knows exactly what it means. Yeah. You know, he might not think he does, but he does, you know? Yeah. So I've just wanted that to be able to happen for more people with more poems, basically. So does that, but does that, um, does that goal, is that why you, do you think your own work took something of a turn towards the, I think, what did you say? It was you, the way spoken word, the way people speak, yeah, I think that, I think it's connected with that. Yeah, I think it is. Um, you know, I, I just, I just, uh, I wanted to talk to more people. I don't like this idea that that people think that poets, that poetry is only for the few or for the educated, you know, super educated or for people who are trained or something like that. I think that's not true about most poetry I know, and it's, it's, um, and I don't, and I don't want to limit myself. I'd like to talk to, to and with as many people as possible, you know, in my own life, I don't like the idea that, that, you know, I would be, you know, my, my whole life as a writer would be limited to this narrow range of people who, you know, and, you know, treat that, yeah. do this activity. So, so yeah, I, other, other poets, yeah. Yeah. The poets are like poetry Academia. nerds. Yeah. 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 Or academics. Yeah. I mean, in fact, you know, I'm let, I'm, you know, I mean, probably, it's a bad thing to say, but like, I'm, <laughs> I'm less interested in that and, and actually in, 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 
you know, the poetry world than I am and the people who exist outside it. I and mean, I'm not really, you know, I don't, I don't write my poems for, you know, people who are professional poetry lovers. You know, it's not, I mean, I hope they like them and that's nice, but I write them for everybody. Yeah. And, 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 but that doesn't mean, you know, I would, I, that doesn't mean selling out anything in my poems. You know, I, I, I believe that, you know, I, I believe in the reader, you know, I believe people can read and understand things that are, that are, you know, you know, a little difficult, Hmm. you know, but I don't, never make something deliberately difficult. Right. That's right. ridiculous. Why would I do that? Right. Well, <laughs> it could, maybe could be clever. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I would never do it. Maybe that's, but for yeah. me, it's a life or death matter. You know, it's, right. like, it's my life. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like, you know, um, uh, you know, try to mystify people for no reason. I mean, I'm, I, I want to be understood. So there's a, there's a question that comes up a lot in discussions that we have around here that when we, when we talk to people and um, I guess in general, in the, the teaching of the world that is, the world of teaching literature, um, poetry, or, you know, the classics or whatever it may be. Uh -huh. And that's to what extent should we be trying to figure out, you know, what the point is that the author is trying to make as opposed to, you know, in some ways letting the thing sort of be its own thing and try to, you know, be able to in some way uh, process our own experience with it. And, and I'm curious as a poet yourself, how much do you want people to, to spend time thinking about, well, what is it that Matthew Zapruder is, is trying to say here as like, what's the, the lesson that I was trying to get out of it or, or, you know, however you want to put it, as opposed to something about considering more about their own experience with it is, I mean, maybe the distinction is a little unfair, but people will ask us all the time, well, I'm teaching this novel or this poetry and I don't know how much I need to spend studying the author's biography because it's going to tell me exactly what he was trying to say or something like that. I think that you are begging the question <laughs> Fair enough. Um, because that by saying, what is the point? Mm -hmm. um, that's the whole, that, that right there is the whole question. And that's the entire purpose of the book that I wrote. Mm. Uh, why poetry? I mean, it's, it's, it's that by saying what's the author's point, it, it, it includes that, that, that question includes in it, the presumption that the reason I wrote this poem is to get across some message or some, or some theme or something. And that's just not how most, in my experience, how much most literature works. It's like, it's not, it's not for, you know, if, if I want to get across a message, I, I will say what I want to say directly. I don't, I won't use a poem to try to like hide the message for then somebody to get, get it out. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I mean, I know that's, a, I, I'm, I realize I'm being a reductive mm -hmm. to what you're saying. I'm, I'm, I'm being a little unfair to, <laughs> you know, characterizing what you're saying, but, yeah. but I do think that that is, that is at the heart of what a lot of people are asking you, you know, what is, what's, what, how can I sum up what, as I lay dying is about or Hamlet or, 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 sure. you know, Palm or, or, you know, uh, the, the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock. Like what's mm -hmm. the point? Mm -hmm. Well, what's the point? The point is because Pete Elliott confuses people. Yeah, yeah, but what's the point of that poem? And the point is to experience uh, a person coming to terms with who they are and working their way through it in all kinds of different ways. If, if the point isn't like like 
to that to get the message that like mm-hmm. it's hard to be middle-aged and single <laughs> or a clerk or mm-hmm. bald <laughs> or, or like you know i mean that's not like that's 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 we're laughing but i mean that's like i mean right. if you, is that really so you know and i mean i i just feel like when you the more you boil these things down in that way you know the more the more they they that misses the entire you know, purpose of the genre, especially when it comes to poetry or, or so, so the question then arises, how do we teach these things? Right. That was going to ask, that's the follow up. That's the question. So it's easy for me to say, don't do that. But then what what do I do instead? And, you know, when it comes to, I'm I'm not going to, you know, start talking about teaching novels or stories. That's, that's out of my league a little bit, but (laughs) when it comes to poems, I think that, you know, the first thing you got to do is, is, is get situated with what's going on in the poem and what's happening and who's speaking and where it is and all those things. And then the second thing you got to do is figure out what is happening that is different than you would expect. What's strange, what's off about this linguistically, thematically, everything. And then if you do those things, you'll get into an interesting conversation about what, what's happening in this poem. You know, you don't, and that, though, that to me is what's interesting about annotations of poems, not because I'm not looking for, you know, someone to tell me what the theme of Ozymandias is, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I already know that I, I could get the message that like, you know, time destroys all of man's creations, you know, without, right. without reading Ozymandias. I mean, I just said it right there, you know, but like, and, and, and if you, and if you just say, well, it's that message, but it's, but it's, but it's made all beautiful when I have everything where I'm like, well, well, so it's just advertising or propaganda. Am I supposed to believe it more because it's beautiful? That, that doesn't really lead me anywhere. So, so I'm, I'm more interested in trying to get people to just experience, slow down, experience the poem, tell me what they see and tell me what they think is strange about it. And I I've had, you know, if you can get people to do that, students to do that, they say the most remarkable things They make the most amazing observations they and and they connect those things to their own lives too, um, in ways that are really beautiful and interesting. And there's a place for that in the conversation too. You know, mm. um, yeah. Have you had? Have you done that with your own work, or had people say things to you about your own work that you never could have realized would have been true all about the time? It? Yeah, all the time. I mean, I've I've I, people say both both things about the poems themselves. They'll say they'll they'll make some kind of connection, or they'll say you know you 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 know this is. Uh, you know, or sometimes they'll start talking to me about a poem and I, I, for a second, I won't even know what they're talking about because they, cause they're, they're <laughs> they had some, they saw something in there that I didn't see. And, but then also people will connect those things to their own lives hmm. in ways that of course I couldn't have known because I don't know sure. who they are. And that's, sure. and I think that's great. And I don't care if the, 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 the connection is attenuated or it's, you know, the relationship is, is oblique or, you know, whatever. I mean, that doesn't matter to me if it, mm-hmm. if it made them think or remember or have a new idea about something, then, you know, then that's great. I feel like that, that I've activated their imaginations, you know, and, and, and their memories and thoughts. So that's, that's cool. But I, but you know, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like it when people start giving me interpretations of my or anybody else's poems that are just woven out of just thin air and have no relationship to what's actually in the poem. I mean, right. that's just, that, right. that happens all the time. And that's, that's that I don't like, yeah. you know, cause I'm like, well, you know, people put a lot of time and energy into making these things. Um, so maybe we should read them. <laughs> Reminds me, was it Flannery O'Connor who was speaking at something and, and the student came up and described what her, what he had been taught. He, I think 
I think it was a young man had been taught in his class that her story was about. And she was like, well, this is all news to me, but that's very interesting. Yeah. Right. 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 I've had that experience before too. Yeah. And I mean, but, but, but students are, 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 my experience is, is that students are extremely good readers. If you get them to stop doing, you know, immediately trying to like jump to what the theme of it is or what the point of it is or what it's all about or whatever. If you get them to slow down and go through the poem and make observations, they'll always say stuff that's amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. I've had seen that in a lot of different levels mm-hmm. and, you know, close reading. I mean, you have a whole podcast about it. I mean, it's, listen, I mean, just that activity alone is worth, is worth doing period. Mm-hmm regardless of what the outcome is. I mean, just, just reading closely is like, my God, if people did that more, we'd be in way better shape. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And instead of just reading Twitter, you're saying <laughs> instead of just, instead of just, uh, you know, swallowing whole giant concepts mm. that if you, that if you, that if you stopped and worked your way through them would be obvious nonsense. Mm. I mean, most of, you know, I'm not, to, I don't want to get into politics right now, but like, <laughs> you know, just uh, we don't have to be specific about anything or anything, but just a lot of what is said uh, publicly just simply breaks down if you start to just if you just start to read it closely. If you spend any time with it, you're saying like any time at all. Just reading, just reading it, just li- literally makes no sense. Yeah. It's like the one statement doesn't follow the other, and and they're said like I mean, we could you and I could sit with the newspaper i'm sure and find countless <laughs> examples of this where somebody says yeah. something and then the next thing they say doesn't logically follow from the thing they just said mm-hmm. but they but it but it's said as if it does you know i know this isn't my idea i mean orwell's mm-hmm. politics in the english language me points this out you know so mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of people have said this before me but i think i just think we could use this you know we could use a return to that skill too mm. so i, I want to this this reminds me of something what do you think of the the current trend in in poetry where you know it's the instagram poets the twitter poets things like that because i think there was even a a recent article talking about how poetry is becoming increasingly more popular in the uk but it's all of these these instagram poets and they're a little bit i think the article called them pinteresty or something like that i'm just curious what you as a as a working professional poet who has written a book about it and thinks deeply about these things. What do you think of that sort of phenomenon? Do you see it lasting? Oh, I wasn't expecting you to ask that. Um, uh, I have <laughs> I mean, no, it, it I have no idea. Instagram doesn't last. But <laughs> I, yeah. i that the last question. I have no, I don't have no idea. Um, the, the, I've actually gotten interested in this, you know, over the past period of time, I've gotten very interested in this, uh, this group of, poets let's you know people say call them instagram poets or whatever you want to say but you know from rupi kaur right and I, I know that's a little bit of an unfair name for no them, no it's fine that. i just was saying i don't know what to call i don't know what a better term for it would be but i just i just was using that term um and and you know really but what i've been trying to do is to really read the work instead of leaping to some conclusion about mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. saying i want to i've been trying to read more of it and look at it and think about it and ask myself why it's so appealing to people. And I think that it is operating with a fundamentally different set of concerns from what we have called poetry in the past. Hmm. Um, I don't think it's trying to do the same thing Hmm. that the lyric poem has done in the past. Um, it's sometimes I would put it closer to maybe what the haiku poets 
do, or sometimes I think it has more to do with it's closer to Warhol. <laughs> sometimes hmm. I think it's closer to epic poetry. You know, it's yeah, that, a that's a com, co- that's a comparison I haven't heard. Yet. <laughs> well, because the reason I said it's because it's a completely public. It's it's designed to be completely public. Hmm. There isn't okay. anything uh, individual about it. So the entire revolution of the romanticism, you know, in the late uh, 18th and early 19th century, which, which privileged individual consciousness over, over, you know, other, uh, you know, other, over everything else in poetry, this, this poetry seems to me to be uh, going in a way against that or, or, or going back somehow before that. Um, even though of course it's contemporary and it's, and it's, and it's concerns and in it's, the stuff in the poems is contemporary, but the, but the, but the impulse seems to be to belong to some other, some other idea about what poetry can do and what it's for. And so what I'm trying to do in thinking about this and maybe writing something about it is to suspend my judgment about it and just to try to make some observations about it. And that, that's, 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 that's so far what I'm, what I'm working with this idea that it's, I think it's almost, misleading in a way to not to call it poetry. And I don't mean by that, that to denigrate it. I'm just saying it's like, it's, it's that it's that it's because what we think of as poetry is generally lyric poetry, but maybe this is some other, almost like another genre in a way. Hmm. Um, But maybe, maybe I won't ultimately come to that conclusion, but it's just, that's, I've been thinking about that. It's hard to write about it because again, it seems like what I'm saying is, is, Oh, this isn't really poetry. I mean, this is a lot of the time what I, what I, what I, you know, when people try to say that hip hop, which I love, I love hip hop music. I'm super into it. And I think it's amazing. But like I, people say, Oh, that's poetry. And I'm like, it's really actually not poetry. It's, it's hip hop. And I, frankly, I don't know why it's, Yeah. yeah, it's its own thing. And, 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 and it's, it's, and it has a, yeah, it's, it's, it's a flow against a beat. And it's just a different kind of like form in a way. And that's fine. It, it can be a different form. Why does it have to be poetry? I don't know why everything's so desperate to be poetry, you know, hmm. <laughs> I mean, certainly you, not for financial reasons. Um, <laughs> you know, but, I guess it, it, it offers it a sense of prestige or something exactly, like that. Exactly. Exactly. about yourself for listening to it if you need to. Or, or yeah, it's like this cultural cachet hmm. of poetry that, but it's funny because it's like you're damned you're damned with, with, with the praise of being culturally, you know, it's like, it's like, Mm. you know, people are constantly trying to operaify, you know, poetry um, when it doesn't really belong there. Um, And it's, you know, opera probably doesn't belong there either, but like, but I mean, it's, you know, like I I remember reading this book uh, by Alex Ross and and, in the beginning of, you know, the classical music critic who writes for the New Yorker. And I think, I think it was the beginning of the rest is noise. I'm not sure, but, but anyway, but he talks about how this term classical music has been so damaging because it like, it just immediately like puts this music into some kind of space of like, you know, where you need education and training and everything. And I think the exact yeah. same thing happens yeah. to poetry. Yeah. Yeah. That's so um, interesting. I'm not interested in doing that. And I think it's, I, I, I don't want that for myself and I don't want that for the poems I love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I, I, I do wonder whether the, a lot of the popularity of Instagram poetry isn't a kind of like backlash against some perceived truth about lyric poetry which is that it's primarily academic or it's coded language it's deliberately hard to understand all those things that aren't actually true about poetry mm. so so i so i i i i'm also interested in that like whether in a way it's not again based on like a misapprehension of of what poetry actually is you know 
Let's take a quick break here to give you a word from our friends over at New College Franklin. This podcast is brought to you by New College Franklin, which is a four-year classical Christian liberal arts college nestled in beautiful downtown Franklin, Tennessee. Focused on the great ideas, the quadrivium and the trivium, New College Franklin is dedicated to spiritually forming students by discipling them through the seven liberal arts for wisdom, virtue, and service. New College Franklin, a new college reclaiming and recasting the old Augustinian idea of education to take delight in contemplating created truth. Find out more at www.newcollegefranklin.org. And now, back to the show. So, you, you, you talked a little bit about how, at a certain point, a, a poetry takes on, a, a poem rather, takes on, not maybe not a life of its own, I guess it does, but takes on, well, let me put it this way, other people come into the life of that poet, poem mm-hmm. because they interact with it and they have experiences with it and become... It, becomes meaningful to them in a way that maybe is different than it is meaningful to you. So given that, is there a point at which you would, you say, you know, this is, I'm done with this poem. This poem is finished. It's completed. And I'm going to share it with the world. And at that point it's done. Or do you think, you know, will you revise poems even after people have experienced them? I'm I'm fascinated by the question of when a poem is finished, when are you done with it? Uh And I've asked a number of different poets this question and I almost never get the same answer. I'm curious what, how you would answer that. I mean, yes, of course. I I think poems are done at some point. Um, I sometimes think they're done before they're actually done. I mean, that can mm-hmm. happen. Um, but like, but yeah, in I, other words, you realize it needs to be edited further. Or you talk to someone and they say, "Well, this is an incomplete thought," or something like more that. More like I'll get up and read it, or I'll just, or I'll come back to it after having thought it was done, and I'll realize that I was sorely mistaken. Okay. Okay. Um, you know that that's that's more how it works for me rather than someone else telling me. I know that, sure. that happens too, but sure. but it's 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 more you know I know that it's not done. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a really you know it's an elusive concepts, you know, how, whether something is done, but I think that there's a way that for me, I mean, I'm really going to say that it's almost like a bodily experience when I, when I write a poem and it's really and truly finished, there's a kind of almost like a sort of deep slotting in of that into real, into reality, into my reality that cannot be dislodged. And if I started moving around, moving things around or changing or tinkering, it would be it would feel physically wrong to me to do it. It's like, Mm. until I feel that it's so, so for me, like the writing of a poem, there's a whole set of intellectual and, 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 and idea based things that's happening, but there's also this whole other world of like intuition and feel that's happening. And by, by feel, I mean, literally like feel texture. And, and when the poem is done, it, it's, it feels physically done as much as it does mentally done to me. And, and so I will not, you know, it would be like, you know, it would be like bending my finger the wrong way to change it, to change a poem, you know, at some point. And, and that's not to say that little, sometimes, sometimes I'll feel that it'll be very close. And then like someone will come and say, you know, you could like, you could, cut this one line or if you change if this word is a little misleading that that kind of yeah. tinkering can still happen at the very late stages i'm just finishing a book now that's coming out in the fall um from copper canyon press and there's and you know there's there's last minute editing editing and tidying that goes up but but yeah but for the most part i mean we're talking about the the you know 98 percent of the poem it's like you know it's just is what it is and you could not change it without breaking it you know? hmm. so i mean are you ever wrong about that 
Like, is that instinct or that physical response or that, you know, I mean, do you ever go back two years later or something and realize, man, maybe I was wrong about that. It was done. No, because, because it doesn't mean that it's, it's, uh, it means that at that, at that moment that it's the very, very best I could have done. And it's the very, it's the right thing then. I mean, I, I go back to older work and say, I, I would have never made that decision. I would not make that decision now. Yeah. Or I would never write that poem now. It's complete. It's almost totally foreign to me, but that has more to do with the fact that I've changed as a person. Mm. You know, I don't, I'm not that person who wrote Mm. those poems anymore. Mm. And so, so, but, but I can see and and remember like the logic of why I did what I did. Yeah. And it's, and it's, yeah. So I, I, it's not, I, I never have ever gone back to anything I've ever felt that we, there's not a single poem in any book I've ever written that I think, Oh, that was a mistake. Like I shouldn't have done that or that was wrong. Or I thought that was done or really wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Do you look back and think, (laughs) do you look back and think, well, that's not that I could have done better or that's not a very good poem. I mean, I don't mean that like I've read a bunch of your poems and I think, man, those early ones are garbage. (laughs) No, I don't think that because, because, because I'm, I'm extremely hard on myself. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I'm just, I, I write, I mean, I was, it's funny. I, I, I happen to be moving um, some files from one old hard drive over to another. And so I, so I happened to look at the files that I had of, of the poems that I'd written when I was in graduate school. Yeah. And I had forgotten. I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds of poems in there yeah. that I had written completed complete poems that none of which ever saw the light of day. I mean, they saw the light of day in the sense that I probably brought them in a workshop or so, some of them or whatever, but they sure. didn't, they weren't published. They cert- And so, I mean, and, and I have just, I mean, I'm extremely hard on myself. So I don't, so I, I know that's true. So when I go back, I don't think, you know, oh, I should have worked harder. Yeah. Or I should yeah. have, no, yeah. that was a mistake. I think, you know, I, I often, you know, especially for my first couple of books, I will say, wow, you know, I would never do that now. Hmm. But that's, but that's the, the, almost like in a bemused, affectionate kind of way. I'm like, because sometimes I think, yeah. wow, that poet was really brave. Huh. Who, who wrote the, who wrote that poet was just like out there, <laughs> you know, like just, just yeah. flying blind, you know, just like, what would it be like if I like put, put this line in the poem and just see what happened? You yeah. know, and I think that the yeah. young, young poets, young artists, a lot of time can be really, really, really they don't even realize how courageous they're being, you know, because mm-hmm. again, because circles back to this idea we were talking about before about readers, yeah. you know, like if you don't think anybody's going to read this really and truly, or you don't, or you're not thinking too much about that, you take a lot of risks that are in yeah. super interesting risks. Huh. You know, has your, has your process and how a poem comes to life changed at all since those days? I mean, do you have yes. a very concrete way of working now or is it just kind of, I don't have a concrete way of working, but I'm actually writing a book about this. Now I'm writing another prose book and I'm writing a lot about the creative process and, and poems and going back to older poems. And also right in the book I'm writing, I'm, I'm writing drafts of poems that I'm working on now and writing about that process. And so I've been thinking a lot about how I write now as opposed to how I wrote, you know, for when I was younger and, yeah, I think that uh, my process is constantly evolving and changing. And part of that has to do, a big part of that has to do with lifestyle. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a parent now, you know, I have a four-year-old and, 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 you know, I, I, I have a, I'm a professor and I've, you know, so I, I have to work differently than I did when I was a graduate student or when mm-hmm. I was writing my second book, when I was living in New York with like, 
you know, I was single and yeah. had basically more or less, you know, I practically had no job. I mean, yeah. I was, I was t- adjunct teaching, but I'm you're, you're a know, poet. Well, I mean, I'm a poet now too, you know, but I just, I was, I was young then I would say more than be a poet. I mean, young people, you know, I was free. I was young and free yeah, and miserable. Yeah. And, you know, so, and, yeah. and so, you know, so I just, you know, now I have to put it on my calendar when I want to write, mm. you know, it's just like, I never would have done that, you know, before. So, so that, that's created different, different, uh, you know, processes and, and, yeah. and different ways of working for sure. Do do your do you, I mean, are you, do you have a notebook with you at all times? Are your poems coming out of your time when you're reading? Are they coming most out of, you know, you're just sitting around watching your, your kid play? I mean, do you notice trends? I mean, I'm, I'm no, I'm, I'm certain these things probably don't come from one specific area, but do you notice any patterns or anything in your own work? I don't, I'm not someone who carries a notebook around all the time, mainly because I don't like to carry things. Um, I just don't, I, I, I'm one of those people, I'm always handing my wallet to my wife to put into her purse. Um, my keys, I just like, don't, I don't like stuff in my pockets. (laughs) So, so I, so I, I, I'm not a good, I don't usually have a notebook around. Um, I do sometimes type notes on my phone, but, um, but I, am gathering a lot of impressions and uh everything that's you know that's going on as i move through my life and my days and you know i I think that i remember those things when i sit down to write um for me it's best when i'm writing every day uh you know if i write if i can write mostly almost every day you know for a couple of hours Mm -hmm. um then then there's a kind of flow and everything that I'm thinking and experiencing going through finds its way in the writing really easily. It's tough if, you know, I haven't written in, in weeks or mm. even months. And then I mm-hmm. sit down, I'm going to have forgotten a lot of things and you know, yeah. I, won't, I won't be, and plus I'll just be out of shape like writing wise. So yeah, I've recently, I've been on sabbatical this past year. So uh, since the summer, I've more or less been writing practically every day, mm. um, which has been, you know, wonderful. And I, I, I've, I've, I, that's the best, that's the best thing for me. It also just makes me feel like my life isn't pointless. <laughs> so I, pointless. I, sometimes when, when I heard someone say once, well, you know, they think of a novelist or someone who's writing a biography or something and you're pounding out 300 pages or something like that. And so writing every day, you're saying, well, I'm trying to write 10 pages a day or 5,000 words or whatever it is. <clears throat> but I've heard the, you know, people say, well, what is a poet? What do you mean when you're writing every day? Does that mean you're working on trying to write a new poem every day? You're trying to come up with a new line or organize images or something like that. So uh, what does that mean when you say you're writing, you know, you're writing a couple hours every day? Well, when I'm writing poems, uh, for me, it usually means that I'm either starting a new poem or I'm working on something I have going on um, yeah, every day. And, and, and when I really get rolling, I'm probably writing a new poem every day, more mm-hmm. or less. Um, I might start a new poem, work on it, work on a draft, and then go back and, and look at something that I was working on before. So I might have a couple of things going on, but that's what I'm really, really working. Um, if I'm not feeling inspired or I just haven't been writing very much, uh, I, my, my quote unquote working day might be a lot of reading, scribbling, you know, typing down some notes. I also have a lot of writing exercises that I've, um, developed, for myself over the years that I'll, mm. I'll do, you know, like very, and these things are very mechanical. They're about generating, starting to generate language or mm. images or textures or whatever. And just 
see what emerges. You know, I think I'm a believer that, you know, it's not, you know, you have to just start throwing some things on the page and, or, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever mechanism you're using and, 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 and look for patterns and look for emerging, uh, you know, things of interest. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that, that may, I may it, it need to do some of that kind of work if I'm not really clipping along. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm writing prose, I usually have a, um, a word target, um, 500 or at least words a day. Um, but I, if, if I have a 500 word a day target, I'll, I'll usually double or triple it. Um, just cause once I get going, I get going. So, so that's what I've been doing the past couple of months is just, I have, a, I have a writing partner and we, we write 500 words a day to each other. And, hmm. um, that only recently stopped, but that went on for a couple of months. And so I, I was, I'm well into a new book. So you, you talked about writing exercises and another question that I'm interested in hearing from different poets. And I know we've got to wrap this up here, but what, um, what role does imitation have for you or what role do you think it should have for, um, aspiring poets? You know, some people will, they'll pull out, they'll pull out their Richard Wilbur, their, you know, uh, Emily Dickinson. uh, From my alma mater, Richard Wilbur, Amherst college. Oh, nice. So, um, did you know him? No. I actually just interviewed somebody who knew him, um, at least a little bit. That was, who was that? um, AM Juster. Oh he, yeah. He, I, mean, I know who that is, but I never met him. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> so what role, you know, they might pull up their Richard Wilbur looking for some inspiration and read and then try to imitate, or even if it's an imitation of a line or the way, you know, one image suggests another image or something like that. So for you, does that, is that something that you, you engage with? And what do you think the values of that for aspiring poets, if there is any? I think it's like going into a museum and, and imitating the work of the masters. You know, I think you learn a lot by being inside someone's poem and imitating it and sort of almost like rewriting the poems, but using slightly different, you know, like, I mean, almost a mechanical kind of imitation where you, where you, you know, substitute in different words, but keep the same structure of the line and, 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 you know, the same, you know, sort of think about how they built their lines and their poems or whatever, and move around inside that structure and see what it feels like. I think that's super useful. And I've done that a lot over the, over the years. Um, I, you know, think that it's important to remember that that's, you know, practice work and not to start publishing it. I think that recently there's been several instances of people publishing that work, that sort of work. And it just, I find that, just so annoying it's just like just can't somebody do something that is about learning (laughs) learning how to make something that doesn't immediately become public and i think that's i think that's a problem right now um with with young writers god i'm gonna sound like an old man (laughs) shaking my cane on the lawn or whatever but but i think that there's a kind of because of various you know, mechanical things that we don't need to rehash here, but like that, that, that that there's a permeability between, between uh, making something and having that make, having it become available um, to a public audience. Mm -hmm. And I think that for a lot of young writers, the, 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 it's hard for them to think about private work. Mm. It's just conceptually. Whereas I think it was conceptually easier in the past because it took so much effort mm. to make something public. And I mean, you know, again, at the risk of being obvious, I mean, there was no worldwide web until 
the early 2000s. Right. just simply did not exist. There weren't websites or whatever. So, so if I wanted someone to read my poem, I either had to print it out and hand it to them, or I had to, you know, put it in an envelope and send it to them. Yeah. And then maybe they would put it in a magazine or maybe in a book, but it just took a lot of effort. Right. So it wasn't yeah. very hard for me to imagine something being private. Hmm. It was, it was easy right. because like right. most things by default would be private. But it's practically the it's pr- practically become the opposite now, where things by default are public, and I don't think that's in and of itself a problem. I mean, I don't care, but mm-hmm. it's I think that for an artist, for a young artist, that can be a problem, because because I think it it makes it hard to, uh, you know, makes it hard to imagine that work is 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 for the purpose of learning something or just figuring something out or trying something out. It's very hard to keep that to protect that space. For, for, for themselves. And so, you know, I, I, part of my job as a teacher, I think is to provide that space mm-hmm. um, for, for young writers. Cause it's just, it's just, it's tough to make any progress mm-hmm. if you don't have room to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for spending the time with me. It's a pleasure. I, uh, I, well, I have you, I want to say thank you for your book because when I was, um, when I was younger, when I was in high school and college, I was an English major and film studies major. And I wrote a ton of poetry. I, I mean, I was writing all the time. And then <clears throat> I got married right out, basically right at the end of college. And we had kids pretty quickly. So uh-huh. throughout, you know, for there was about eight, 10 years there where I didn't write a lot and was very kind of caught up in just everything else in my life. And sure. as I came back to it, um, over the last couple of years, your book came along and was actually a pretty significant, um, a source of encouragement in some ways. I think I told someone that it was, it seemed to be saying things um, to me um, or helping me see things about myself that I had not ever really known how to express before the way I was things that I was wanting out of poetry and things like that. And not that I'm any good, but um, it, you know, it's certainly an inspiration to keep working and has given me some um, help me understand myself in some ways, let alone give me some pointers for how to get better. So uh, while I have you and it's not an email, I figured I would say thank you for that. Well, um, I can't tell you how much that means to me to hear that. Um, I mean, I'm really, really happy to hear that. Thank you. It's, it's, uh, you know, I'm that that's very moving to me. I, I wrote it for that reason. I was hoping that people would find something in it that that was meaningful to them and help them find some, you know, get in touch with some things in themselves that, you know, that, that made their lives feel a little richer or whatever. And, and so, yeah, that, that's, that's great. Thank you for telling me that. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure, I'm sure your poems are, are good. Don't be <laughs> a little hard on yourself. You know, I mean, it's like, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's mostly, I was talking to someone about this today and I was just like, you know, they were saying something like that, that what you just said, you know, oh, I'm writing a lot. It's not any good. And I was like, you know, write long enough. You're going to write some good stuff. And, 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 then, <laughs> yeah. and then, and then, you know, it's, it's just, you know, you'd be surprised, you know, plug along and then there's going to be, there's going to be some gems in there. So, so, you know, you don't have to worry about where they are now, but, but I'm sure they're there. Well, thank you. I think one of the big questions that I'm always trying to figure out, I, you know, I've taught high school writing and things like that. And in some ways I can, I think I have, I trust my judgment, uh-huh. in, you know, certain kinds of writing than I do maybe my own poetry. <laughs> so, you know, it's the idea of being hard on yourself, as you said, you were about your own self, but also wanting to cultivate, you know, read enough and study enough and, be aware of enough poetry to have good judgment on that to, to say, I feel like this poem is done or I feel like I've said what I can say, yeah. or I feel like this matches up, you know? So it's tough though. You know, it's like, I mean, like I said, I mean, for me, it's, it's, 
it's uh you know the poem a lot of time where it ends up is just something totally different most of the time something totally different than i thought and yeah, um yeah. it's always surprising me and i i i think a lot about my colleague brenda hillman who uh who says uh she says revise towards strangeness hmm. and i think that's like a kind of you know, it's a little bit of a threatening idea sometimes. Cause you're like, well, you know, am I just going to take, am I just trying to make things weird for weirdness's sake? Yeah. But I don't really think that's what it's about. I think it's about the interest. The interesting thing in your poem is the thing that you have that you barely have a grasp on. You know, it's the thing that you intuit is important. Mm-hmm. The part of the poem that you know is beautiful and know is strange and weird, but you couldn't exactly say why. And that's, mm-hmm. that's really the part. That's really where the energy is the poem most of the time and and you know it's like that's that's and that's also fun so fun part is to like go and go towards that and Mm. see what's there you know not not to explain it or clarify necessarily but just to be and be closer to that and farther away from the things that you already are just already familiar with you know Mm. yeah so i I try to do that i don't often don't succeed but i try Mm. so yeah well here's my last question for you then i do include this so um, I, you know, I like to ask this of, of working writers. What's the last like really good thing that you read that you were maybe surprised or, or, uh, kind of, uh, taken by the last really good thing I read. Well, I reread the Elena Ferrante's Neapolitan quartet, which I had read when I first read it very fast because it was so good, so fast that I barely remembered it. And so I re read it and I was even more blown away by it. Um, the second time I also just finished reading Sigrid Nunez's book, uh, the friend, which, uh, won the national book award last year. And that I thought was a pretty excellent book. As far as poetry goes, I'm reading right now a book that won the T.S. Eliot prize this year. It's a first book by a young poet, presumably young. I don't know how young she is, but her name is Hannah Sullivan and it's called three poems and uh, Faber did it in England. And it's a really cool book. It's a book about being a young person in New York and just, you know, a lot of like that life, but it's just written in this super interesting way. And, and it's, it's, it, it's, it's very available. Like I can, I, I, I can read it and I sort of recognize what she's talking about and the experiences in life that she's having, but then also it moves in this really cool, like, you know, fast way, associative way that I'm really into also. And so, hmm. yeah, I think it's a pretty good, I think, you know, a lot of time these prize winning books, you know, you, you read them and you're like, I'm not sure why that won the prize, but <laughs> this one, this one, I, this one, I think uh, it's pretty, this, this, I can see why it wants well, very exciting. It's a very exciting book. And, and mm. so I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm reading it slowly and enjoying it. So. Mm. Well, awesome. couple of books to add to the, to the list. Okay. Well, thanks again. Thanks for taking some time and I uh, really enjoyed the book and I hope, uh, I hope lots of people buy it, continue to buy it and uh, good luck on the, the book you're working on right now. I'm excited for that. Thank you. Thanks. And thanks for the great questions. It was, it was a pleasure to talk with you. Well, thanks so much to Matthew Zapruder for joining me. I really enjoyed this conversation and I really hope you will check out his book. As I said in the conversation, I had a great time reading that book and it was uh, pretty inspiring for me. So I hope you will check it out. Remember, you can head over to matthewzapruder.com to find out more about that book and more about his work. And remember, you can buy it at Powell's Books and anywhere else that books are sold. That's our show for this week. As always, thanks so much for listening. 
Remember, subscribe, rate, review, help us spread the word. Really appreciate that. For all of us here at the Close Reads Podcast Network, I'm David Kern. Talk to you next week. Happy reading.